The Veterans Report is sponsored by James Cannon. Welcome to the Veterans Report, the region's only show dedicated to those who have served our country. We have the latest news and information on resources available to veterans, including health care, education, employment tips, local volunteer organizations, and more. To those who have served, those who are serving, and to those who will, we salute you. And now, the host of the Veterans Report, Jim Cannon. Welcome back to the Veterans Report. Appreciate you guys joining us today. And uh, we're going to walk through some news, local and national, about uh, everything veteran going on this last week and coming up in the future. A um, couple of announcements. The uh, If you're local, if you're local to the Pittsburgh area, next weekend is the, um, where are we, the McKees in, in McKeesport, uh, the Vietnam Veterans Memorial Replica and Mobile Education Center is coming to McKeesport's Renza House in Park. Next weekend, the 9th through the 12th. Is that the weekend? 7th, 8th? Yeah, it is the weekend. <laughs> uh, procession will begin at 5 p.m. at Olympia Shopping Center and move to the park where wall setup will begin next Wednesday. The opening ceremony is going to be at 6.30 p.m. August 9th. There's going to be a pinning presentation honoring more than 40 Vietnam vets. Uh, reading of the names will take place at various times, August 10th and August 11th closing ceremony is Sunday, August 12th at 11 a.m. So again, if you're local, next weekend, the traveling Vietnam Memorial Wall in McKeesport. Uh, there was an article in the Trib uh, or on uh, Trib Live. So if you need to uh, check out the details, if you didn't bother writing that down, go to Trib Live and there's a piece on there. <clears throat> also, this is kind of local, not local. Uh, if you're in the military now and you're looking in you're going to transition out here pretty soon, or you were in the military, you're a vet, and you're looking for a job, you can check out RecruitMilitary.com. RecruitMilitary.com. The website lists thousands of different opportunities across the country for military and vets. Those jobs are looking for folks with a military background and skill set. Recruit Military also hosts veterans job fairs around the country. And there's a calendar on the website. Again, it's recruitmilitary.com. So head over. Uh, you got to drop in your information to register. It takes about a minute and a half. And if you're local to Pittsburgh, again, this is the local aspect. If you're local to the Pittsburgh region, there are some events coming up. The next one is October 12th. And then there's another one in March of 2019. So, you, again, head to recruitmilitary.com and see the entire list of hiring events across the United States. And I will say, I went to one of their events about a year and a half ago, two years ago. Uh, registration for this thing was very simple. It was very quick. And you show up and they have your name waiting for you. And um, it, it's, you know, interesting. Primarily, I went to one in the capital region. So it was primarily all the, the contractors, all the, uh, you know, the Booz Allen Hamiltons of the world. And um, But if you go in different parts of the country, they're still going to have those. They're going to have the Lockheeds and the Northrop's and the Boeing's. But they're going to have smaller, more regional companies there as well. So check them out. I know here in Pittsburgh, UPMC and Highmark Health and uh, some of the bigger healthcare employers in this area are very prevalent at these things. So it's it's worth stopping by if you're looking for a new gig, and you know you're sort of fishing, casting that net. Stop by one of their events, 
And again, head to their website because they list jobs on their website. They list the employers that are going to be at these hiring events. So get on there and register. So our buddy, Eric Shaw with Tactical 16, I know he's busy today. He's actually playing in a different, he's playing in a softball tournament in Colorado Springs. It's a charity softball tournament. Eric has, uh, for the last couple of years, he has participated in another celebrity softball tournament, and this one is taking place in Frisco, Texas, near Dallas. This is October 4th of this year. This is the Red River Celebrity Softball Tournament at Dr. Pepper Ballpark. And it features the University of Texas celebrity team versus the University of Oklahoma celebrity team. Uh, the Texas team, you know, and they feature NBA uh, MLB, NFL players, uh, you know, Maurice Evans, Vince Young, Rod, uh, Roger Clemens, Billy Sims, who was a Heisman Trophy winner, Roy Williams, Brandon Jones, Corey Warren, even Brian Bosworth. Uh, so they're all going to play in this thing. And also, along with Roger Clemens, is Toby Keith. Last year, I know Marcus Luttrell from Lone Survivor was there, as well as Matthew McConaughey. So it's um, they raise a lot of money doing this. It's a really fun event. Tickets are available right now by going online to RRCSG, Red River Celebrity Softball G. I don't know what the G stands for, .com. So it's RRS, or I'm sorry, RRCSG.com. You can go on there, buy tickets. Tickets are super, uh, super affordable. All the proceeds from the event, this Red River Softball Tournament, all the proceeds are split between the Toby Keith Foundation which focuses on pediatric cancer and the Roger Clemens Foundation, which is kind of an umbrella nonprofit that distributes their funds to a variety of charities dedicated to kids. So both these foundations are focused on kids. So if you're going to be in uh, Dallas, the Dallas area that week, October 4th, I think that's a, I looked it up. I think it's a Thursday, you know, buy tickets, head out there. It's a good time. Uh, head out to the ballpark. You might have a chance at meeting some of these folks, getting some autographs, getting some pictures, and uh, <laughs> seeing a bunch of middle to old age guys out there trying to relive their glory. Because God knows, uh, when you get to be our age, you, you got to grab as much as you can, right? But no, seriously, they they have fun. It's a bunch of dudes having fun and raising money for really good causes. <clears throat> and also today, although it might not be popular apparently with some of you. Uh, we've got, geez, uh, we have got J.J. Montanero, who is a financial planner with USAA. And I am a, full disclosure, I am a USAA uh, client, customer, client slash customer, have been for years. Uh, I know that there is a split in a lot of the difference, uh, split in the opinion, or difference of opinion, when it comes to organizations like that, especially with USAA. Uh, some of you have, uh, well, some of you have a different perspective, but listen, we're talking today. We're not talking about investment. We're not, not talking about banking. We're talking about life insurance. Okay. It's not racy. It's not exciting. It's not sexy. It's not super cool. Uh, but it is necessary. We all should be taking a look at that. Uh, you know, from the SGLI standpoint, from the personal standpoint, from the, you know, whether you're. Whether you're single or you're married or you're married with kids, it's something to check into, right? You don't want to, you don't want to die and leave other people in the lurch as far as covering costs 
It's it's not fair. It's just not right. So uh, we'll get some information on life insurance. And, um, you know, hopefully it, it'll open some eyes. And at the very least, you know, uh, USAA can provide you some information, some background information, some general information. And JJ is going to walk through that. JJ is going to say, you know, he's going to he's going to detail uh, who should look for what and why. And you take it from there, right? So, but that will come on, where are we coming time-wise? Probably a little after the halfway mark, we're going to get JJ on. So hang in there. Uh, I'm trying to multitask today. Oh, so quick story. So I went to a birthday party last night. This is totally unrelated. Went to a birthday party, right, uh, for both my niece and my nephew. They have the same exact birthday. Well, one of my nieces, one of my nephews amongst the crew they have the same exact birthday so we're over at uh, at my folks home and it's everybody right everybody's hanging out milling around so uh myself and my siblings who are you know i mean we're all grown-ups we got into a conversation about technology and certain apps right on phones and computers so my nephew who was sitting next to me one of the you know the birthday boy i said something and he said oh yeah i have that on my phone and i said well, can you show me how to set it up, grabs my phone, and I'm not making this up, in about five seconds, had this thing on my phone, uh, loaded and ready to go, hands my phone back to me, not not a peep, not a word, grabs my phone, hands it back to me, and I didn't skip a beat in the conversation, right, so about 10 minutes later, da-da-da-da, we're talking, I said something else, I said, oh, I haven't seen whatever it was, you know, some kind of video thing online, kid grabs my phone, right, he says, hold on, grabs my phone, da-da-da-da-da, and I turn back. I'm having the conversation. He reaches over, puts the phone back in my hand, gets up and walks away. The app was on there. It was working. And I was, uh, I was, I had an account set up. And it took him, I don't know, 40 seconds or something. The point of this is, right, the point of the, if any of you have kids who are that age, right, teens, somewhere in the teen years, the kids today, ah, oh, these kids today, right, I sound like an old dude. The kids today are so adept with the technology that is in their hands, it is terrifying. I mean, it's cool, right, when you need help, but uh, the speed at which, you know, he did some of this stuff, it would have taken me, I could have muddled through it. I mean, it would have taken me 10, 15 minutes, maybe 20, right? He, he did this, uh, like, in a minute, less than a minute. No thinking, no talking through it, no hesitation, pop, 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 pop. like it was muscle memory. It's, it, it it astounded me. So I just wanted to I just wanted to share that because I know some of you do have kids that age, and you know a lot of times we don't pay attention to that, right? We take for granted a lot of the technology, the laptops and the iPads and the you know the, the different kinds of cell phones and all the you know there's an app for wiping your nose, but to see that to to really see that happen right in real time, it was it was amazing to me. Just passing that along. I mean, these kids, if you think about where we were 10 years ago, right? 10 years ago, I think MySpace was still around. You still had some people carrying flip phones. You still had some people carrying phones with the, uh, ah, come on, what was it? Like the the, the alphanumeric uh, texting thing. Remember where you had to scroll through, right? You wanted one letter, you had to scroll through four. That was still going on 10 years ago. Think about that. We were right on the cusp of this whole smartphone thing. That was one decade ago, and now the phones are uh, lightning speed. It's crazy. 
So I guess the point of this whole tale is if you want something done on your phone or your computer, go grab a 13-year-old and say, hey, uh, can you show me this? Yeah, stroke their ego a little bit, right? You know, make them seem like the genius they are, but uh, they'll, they'll set you up. They will set you up for success on your electronic device. So this week, this week, big news, big news. Uh, remains from North Korea, this is the headline, Remains from North Korea, likely American soldiers who fought at Chosin Reservoir. The 55 boxes of human remains North Korea transferred to the U.S. this week are, quote, consistent with being American service members who lost their lives in the Korean War, according to the chief scientist at the U.S. Department of Defense POW slash MIA accounting agency. So location information that came with the boxes uh, seems to hint that most of the remains are from, this says army soldiers who fought in the famous 1950 Battle of the Chosen Reservoir. Uh, Okay. Army soldiers. Interesting. Um, Well, I I mean, they fought alongside Marines. That's why I'm hesitant. Uh, He said many of the records, uh, I'm sorry, many of the recovered remains belong to U.S. Army soldiers who fought in November 1950 Battle of the Chosen Reservoir, known as the Frozen Chosen. 1,024 Americans are still missing from that battle. Bird noted, Bird is the scientist, noted that a lot of the 55 boxes contained references to the village of Singhong-ri, located on the east side of the reservoir where U.S. Army soldiers fought in the battle. U.S. Marines fought mainly along the western side. Now that's where I was getting thrown off. The remains North Korea, along with the remains North Korea, provided dog tag of, of one American service member, one. Uh, and that service member's family has been notified, and they'll get the dog tag at a previously scheduled conference being held in Arlington, Virginia, for, for Korean War and Cold War families to receive updates on their loved ones. Family members had been warned that the presence of a dog tag does not mean that the service member's remains are among the boxes. Ah, oh, that's rough, man. That is rough. But uh, you know what? That's some hint. That's some hint of closure, right? Um, and again, you know, when this happened a couple weeks ago, right? When North Korea said, "Hey, you know, we're gonna we're gonna repatriate some of the remains," uh, you know, it still had to be verified, right? There was no guarantee that that any of this was going to be legit. But and look, if if all fifty five boxes turn out to be, uh, well verified, verified U.S. remains, then we are on a good path. I'm I'm not saying uh, I'm not going to go as far as praising, uh, you know, little Kim over there. <laughs> yes, uh, but you know it's a good step. So, and that that'll be it'll be fifty five families with some you know again some modicum of comfort and closure uh knowing that hey you know we've got whoever right uncle bill or or grandpa joe back from from that horrible uh that horrible conflict so it's a step in the right direction and we will have to wait right 
Trust but verify. Remember those words. So just keep following that story. Keep following that story. Ah, so another, so, you know, it's, it's like a broken record, right? Here we are another week, another story about the VA. I, I, I have said this is my mantra, right? I want the VA to succeed, but dot, dot, dot. There was a story this week, the VA hospital in D.C. Think, think, let that one ring for a minute. The VA hospital in our nation's capital, right, where the VA is headquartered, was reportedly using rusty, let me say that again, rusty surgical tools and water full of bacteria. And employees say the critical situation is getting worse. Employees at the VA hospital in Washington, D.C. are begging the new VA secretary for help. The hospital made national headlines numerous times for its quality and cleanliness failings. Now there are reports of rusty medical equipment and water filled with bacteria. Oh, my goodness. Uh, Here's a quote. Where are we? We ask you, our respected leaders, to stop this cover-up and incompetence, to really care and live up to America's promise to its heroes. The employees, plural, wrote to Robert Wilkie, who is the new VA secretary, and other senior Department of Veterans Affairs officials in correspondence obtained by USA Today. Enough is enough, they added in the letter, which called, called attention to soaring infection rates and plummeting patient and employee satisfaction. And the piece goes into um, past, past reports, past inspections. A report in April 2017 revealed that not only did the hospital lack essential equipment and fail to meet necessary cleanliness standards— but senior leaders were aware of the problems and had not properly addressed them. The VA removed the hospital director and sent teams of experts to the medical facility to improve the situation, but it didn't help. And then it just goes into more detail about the various reports. So uh, the VA has a budget, <clears throat> annual budget, right? We've covered this too, of $180 billion dollars. $180 billion. It's the second largest federal agency, right? Runs the nation's largest integrated health care system. And, according, and here's a quote from Donald Trump. Uh, and, quote, probably the most incompetently run agency in the United States government, end quote. So uh, we've got a couple of issues here, right? One is the, the huge budget for $180 billion. Not to mention the written guarantee that vets get when they join and then get out, right? This is supposed to be a, a sort of a lifetime contract between veterans and the nation, i.e. the federal government, i.e. Department of Veterans Affairs. <clears throat> so $180 billion budget, and they're using rusty tools. That's third world, man. That is third world. It's unacceptable. It's disgusting, uh, and it is a break. It, it shatters that covenant between vets and, and what they, they thought was a trustworthy agency, right? One that is not only named for them, uh, but also 
tasked with their care at a certain point in life. And we have stories like this, water with bacteria and rusty tools. This, and here's, here's okay, so there's one issue, right? Um, you got the budget. For, you've got the, the, the contract. Um, there's no oversight, it, or if there is, it, it seems absent. Uh, we had the political football that was the VA secretary confirmation. I will say that's water under the bridge at this point. Wilkie's been confirmed, right? He's at the helm. It's been, whatever it is, two weeks, week and a half, two weeks. Uh, so maybe he can do, maybe he can affect some change. We had the federal, um, what's the word? Ah, oh, it's slipping my mind. Uh, the federal union workers, right, employed through the VA, protesting, protesting because the president came out and said, we need to make tough reforms within the VA. <laughs> what? And you're you're protesting that. You're protesting reforms. You're protesting improving veteran care. That's insane to me. That is absolutely insane. They have almost two hundred billion dollars to spend for this agency, and they can't. They and they're using rusty tools. I, I I don't even. It's making me so angry that I can't really pinpoint it and and outline it, item by item. That is unacceptable. I don't care what agency it is. For that kind of money, you need to do things right. Now, keeping in mind, right, the caveat to that is you always have the Department of Defense looming in the background. And they don't, they certainly don't always do things right. As we all know, right, veteran, non-veteran, we all have seen missteps and, and misappropriation and misspending and failed leadership. We've, all, we've seen that with the Department of Defense. It is a bloated, bloated agency. I don't care how much they talk about not hitting recruitment numbers. Okay, that's that's one aspect. That's all the way over here on the spectrum. When you start talking about, you know, some of the equipment they're buying and some, just, you know, from the top down, some of the decisions that leadership makes, that's a whole other ball of wax. Uh, but the second largest budget in the federal government, and, and I got to read a story that says they're using rusty surgical tools. I don't know anymore, folks. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't... I. Change has got to come from the grassroots level because clearly it's not coming from the top. The VSOs, like the American Legion, the VFW, I mean, again, great groups, they're not going to change the VA. They're not going to go in there and say, oh, yeah, we need wholesale change. They absolutely will not do that. I mean, they've made that abundantly clear over the years. They're, they're, not, <laughs> they're not the ones uh, to sort of you know tur- turn the aircraft carrier around, so to speak. There are other groups out there willing to do it. The problem is they don't have the clout. They don't have the numbers behind them yet. So, you know, one question I have, and I've asked this repeatedly, is this the time now? Right? Here's here's yet another example of this 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 third world nonsense. You know, we should all expect better. We're not getting better. Is this the time? And just ponder this, right? Is it the time now to privatize the VA? Is it time to bring in you know, a, a, a competent, uh, successful, well-run private healthcare entity to step in and take this thing over. And, and you know why? So, pri- and I'm not saying private healthcare agencies are perfect. I'm not saying that. I, w- I would never assert that. No company out there is perfect. 
but they do in the private market they do have an incentive to not get sued because i can guarantee if i go in to get uh i don't know get my appendix out and i find out they were using uh, a hacksaw and a, and a rusty drill bit to, <laughs> to get into my body the first call i'm going to make when i get out is to an attorney right that's at a private healthcare place that's the first call i'm going to make because that, you know, given the cost of, of surgery and medical insurance and that whole thing, th- that's unacceptable. This is a government agency. They don't have the incentive to keep striving to be the best. You know why? Because they're the only game in town. They're the only game in town when it comes to offering what they offer and doing what they do, which is subsidized veterans' health care. Because that's what it is. So is it time? I mean, again, one hundred and eighty billion dollars. You don't think you don't think a private healthcare enterprise would step in for that kind of cash? You don't think they'd be all about efficiencies? You don't think they'd be about streamlining and trying to maximize, uh, you know, the, the the personnel and the staff on site? I mean, I've seen what some of the VA people get paid. I'm not making this up. I saw an ad about a month ago. Uh, on USA Jobs. USA Jobs is the site where you go looking for federal gigs, right? Every now and then I peruse it just to see what's out there, right? The VA was 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 putting out, uh, you know, soliciting for an interior designer. I'm not making this up. An interior designer making 76k a year. Seventy-six thousand dollars to be an interior designer at a VA facility. And I got to read stories about rusty tools. Nope. No. Nope. Wrong. So get out there. Talk to your legislators. Talk to whatever VSOs you want. Some guy lit me up on uh, <laughs> on the Facebook page because I had the audacity to include, right, when I tag people on Facebook, sometimes I'll, I'll you know, I include different groups, right? Uh, diversity of opinion is helpful because otherwise you have an echo chamber. So I tagged a bunch of groups, one of them being the Concerned Veterans of America. CVA was originally a Koch Brothers-backed organization who are apparently now flipping because they can't stand Trump. Uh, Very conservative guys, or they were. And CVA has been champing at the bit for years to privatize the VA. That's been one of their, their, the, the tenets of their mission. Well, this guy seemed a little put off by the fact that I included them in the same sentence as this other VSO, which is one of the, you know, one of the many groups advocating on behalf of vets. Um, I don't know. I, I, I've been on the fence about the privatization thing, leaning more toward it. I, I am about to fall off the fence in favor of it. I really am. And this is ridiculous. The federal government needs to shrink anyway. I mean, this this would be a good way to start it. So yeah, I'm I'm uh, I'm coming out of the the VA privatization closet, so to speak. I'm 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 all in on that. I'm done now. I'm all in. You know, the government does a few things very well, uh, and it does most things poorly. And I will say that healthcare is one of those things they do poorly. So I am uh, I'm aboard the the SS privatization, right? Let's set sail on that ship. 
I'm ready to go. All right, that was that was my rambling, uh, incoherent soapbox. I'll drop that one now. So, uh, speaking of the VA, <laughs> oh, this was the other one. This is the other one that got under my skin. I saw this one before I saw the Rusty Tool one. Uh, here's the headline: VA urges Senate to sink Blue Water Navy bill and its disability benefits. So, uh, federal department. So, VA is opposed to this Blue Water Navy Vietnam Veterans Act, which is HR two nine nine. For those of you taking notes, the measure would extend Agent Orange disability benefits and health care to seventy to ninety thousand vets who served aboard ships in territorial waters off Vietnam during that war and today suffer ailments associated with herbicides sprayed across its jungles for years. And the VA is fighting this. They said that there is no credible scientific evidence which supports extending those benefits to shipboard personnel who never went ashore in Vietnam or patrolled its rivers. Without such evidence... uh, said Paul Lawrence, Undersecretary for Benefits. It would be wrong, and it would create a, quote, disastrous precedent to award VA benefits. <laughs> That's interesting, isn't it? That is interesting. Now, keeping in mind that the Senate Veteran Affairs Committee is in full favor of, and, and the House uh the House Veterans Affairs Committee, both chambers are in favor of extending benefits, and the VA is, is the the lone party, the lone entity fighting against it. As a matter of fact, David Shulkin, the former VA secretary who was uh, fired, let go, kicked out, was also in favor of it and was gaining momentum toward making it happen when he was basically <laughs> dropped from the VA. So I don't know what that means. Um, yeah. So the VA is fighting benefits for seventy to 90,000 Navy vets who served over there. Uh, Rick Weidman with Vietnam Vets of America made the strongest case in support of Blue Water veterans. Uh, he said VA officials have misinterpreted the 2011 study, which looked at all this, which found it plausible that shipboard veterans were exposed to dioxin. Given that Congress presumes veterans who served anywhere in Vietnam were exposed and doesn't try to calculate level of exposure, that benefit of the doubt should be applied to shipboard personnel too, Weidman said. He's right. <laughs> it's not like there was some magic wall between guys on shore and, and guys on on ships. <sighs> Thank you, VA. That's amazing, isn't it? That is amazing. So uh, it, it, it is astounding. This is the same um, federal agency who fought the Gulf War Syndrome, right? Guys coming back saying, you know, I have this persistent cough and I have respiratory issues and, uh, you know, stuff going on with my skin. And they fought that tooth and nail for, for 20 years. Now we've got people, um, you know, showing those same symptoms, right, from the burn pits which were used extensively during the Gulf War. There's a lot of stuff burning over there. (laughs) Unbelievable. 
But I will give you some good news. I will give you a feel-good story. I'll give you two feel-good stories, and then we'll we'll get out of here and um, we'll, we'll get on to the we'll get on to the chat about life insurance. But four veterans with no known families are laid to rest in Southeast Louisiana Veterans Cemetery. A crowd of about 200 people turned out at the Southeast Louisiana Veterans Cemetery in Slidell on Thursday, August 2nd, to honor and pay respects to four veterans they didn't even know. Active military personnel, veterans, and veterans groups, along with citizens and others, gathered uh, to honor Army Corporal Whitney Moses. Two years in the Korean War, uh, Army Specialist 4 held Dwight Hoffland, who served two years in the Vietnam War, Navy Seaman Leon Brayman, who served during the Vietnam War, and Coast Guard Seaman Leonard Smith, who served two years in Vietnam. The four had no known family members and no friends could be located. Now, if that doesn't kind of restore your faith in humanity, uh, even even a little bit, um, I don't know what will. That's 200 people turned out for four guys they didn't even know. That's what the country's about right there. That That's it. That story right there. That's what the United States is and should be about. So thank you to the 200 who turned out and thank you to the four vets for their service and, uh, and Godspeed. And it's, it's wonderful to know that your fellow Americans were caring enough and generous enough to come out for you. Um, because at the end of the day, we're all family. We're all family. And then last but not least, <clears throat> the headline is, and some of you, some of you old-timers might, uh, <laughs> this might ring with you, uh, legendary Black Hawk Down warfighter campaigns to defeat opioid addiction among veterans. Former Delta Force operator Norman Hooten, who fought in the brutal 1993 Battle of Mogadishu, is using his freshly earned doctorate of pharmacy to help patients at the Veterans Administration. <clears throat> at age 57, retired Army Master Sergeant Hooten arrived at his new career the hard way through personal loss. Two men who served with Hooten in Mogadishu survived the battle only to later die from issues related to substance abuse. It really gutted me, he told People Magazine. I had deep love and respect for those guys. Losing them was hard for me to accept. Uh, in August 2001, Hooten retired from the Army. His wife, Bonnie, suggested he try her line of work as a pharmacist. The newly civilian Hooten began pharmacy school. A month later, in response to the September 11 attacks, he was recalled to active duty. <laughs> See, it happens to everybody, right? Uh, he later converted... To doing government security work. While working overseas, Hooten saw drug use among contractors and his own battle buddies who died. Combat death is tragic but understandable, Hooten says. Drug related loss is not. When they come home and die of, of opioid overdose, I couldn't wrap my head around it, he said. I started to realize how bad the opioid epide epidemic was. I decided to do something about it. Uh, so basically, so Hooten came back, he was 52, and picked up his pharmacy studies. 
graduated, did his residency at the West Palm Beach VA Medical Center, and once again was surprised at the scope of the addiction problem. So he eventually took a job as a pharmacist at the Orlando VA Medical Center uh, to help out with the addiction, uh, the addiction campaign, I guess, if you will. So that's pretty amazing. I mean, the amount of time this guy spent and what he went through to serve our country, and then he comes back and says, "Ah, I've seen vets go through this. I still want to. I still want to help." He's still in the fight. Norm Hooten is one of the great soldiers of this war and a true hero of our nation, says military historian and Army veteran James Lechner, who fought alongside Hooten in Mogadishu. At the VA, though, patients usually don't realize they're dealing with a man who, among other operations, fought sustained ferocious combat in Somalia. That is pretty amazing. He says most of the time they come and go, and never know I've been in combat. The only time I share it is if they say I couldn't possibly understand what they've been through. Most of the time, I like to keep it that way. So this guy is an army legend, and a lot of people don't know who he is or what he's been through, and he's humble enough to keep it in his pocket while these people are going through their own fight uh, with opioids. So I thought that was a pretty cool story, right? Given what he went through, and he's, uh, you know, he's still out there swinging for the fences trying to help people. He's almost 60 years old now. (laughs) That's some serious dedication. Serious dedication. So, to Norm Hooten, we say thank you because that's pretty awesome. And I know a lot of people locally here who are uh, involved in that, and it's it's a pretty strange mix of personalities uh, from cops to legislators to lawyers to to housewives um, but everybody's everybody's in that battle as well so this is a that that is a national problem that is something that needs to be addressed by everybody so if you know anybody with a problem try to get them help but um, you know there's plenty of opportunity for you to volunteer and and help out in some way I don't know what that is because I'm not an expert at it but uh, surely no matter where you live there's there's a way to help out So that that probably is enough news for today. But uh, again, if you're local, the McKeesport, um, the, I'm sorry, the Vietnam, the Vietnam Wall Memorial is coming to McKeesport. So all you Pittsburgh listeners, uh, next weekend, head out there. Uh, it's on the website, Trib Live. And for the rest of you, the Red River Celebrity Softball Tournament taking place in October. So if you're going to be in Dallas... Head down there and uh, meet some meet some pro players, NBA, baseball, NFL, and Toby Keith. Toby Keith will be there. From what I understand, he's a pretty good player. So uh, we're gonna take a <laughs> we're gonna take a quick break, and we will be back with JJ Montanero of USAA. If you want to keep up with the latest in veteran news away from the radio, stop by our website at www.theveteransreport.com. There you'll find news headlines along with links to media outlets around the world. You can also find links to every state's veteran services office. And for you film buffs, there's even a link to a war movie database. We appreciate you stopping by the Facebook page 
at facebook.com slash the veterans report there like the website you'll find the latest news and information related to veterans for you high-speed individuals who want to limit yourself to 140 characters stop by our twitter account it's a great way to find information on veteran organizations throughout the country and what they're up to you can tweet us by using at the vets report if you'd like to email the show directly please send us your input comments or suggestions to editor at theveteransreport.com. Thanks again for checking out our pages. Thanks for listening. And thank you for supporting our veterans community. And welcome back to the Veterans Report. Appreciate you all hanging in there and, and tuning in today. We have with us um, a guest with USAA, and I know most of you are familiar with USAA. Uh, many of you are clients. I am. That's full disclosure. I'm a client of USAA. I've been with them for, oh, probably a decade. Uh, I have never had an issue with that company, not one time, not one negative experience. Uh, and the cool thing about USAA, for those of you uh, who are not clients, uh, when I call, this is just a personal anecdote, when I call, they still call me staff sergeant. So... Um, that's kind of neat because I've been out for a couple of years. So it's uh, very respectful, very helpful. Uh, but we have with us uh, J.J. Montanero, who's a financial planner with USAA. J.J., how are you? I'm doing great, Jim. I'm, I'm flashing back to uh, the, the lieutenants that are 87 years old, and we're calling them lieutenants. So uh, when you said that, I had a, a little <laughs> bit of flashback to my time on the phone with members. Uh, I just think it's great, though. It, it's so, it's yeah. so cool because it, it catches you off guard if you're in the middle of a busy work day and, you know, uh, you're in your civilian life and you're doing your thing and you pick up the phone and call them. They're like, oh, how may I help you, Staff Sergeant Cannon? And I, you know, I got to sit back for a minute and I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, that is neat. I mean, we, 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 that, that's our focus and uh, we try to be good at it for sure. So um, now, now you're a financial planner with USAA, but what we were going to talk about, I guess more specifically, we're going to drill down a little bit uh, in a second here is, is talking about sort of planning, planning ahead. Uh, planning for and, and I got I got to tell the audience this is not the racy sexy uh, day on the gun range stuff we talk about sometimes but this is something that's necessary and it's something that a lot of people overlook uh, when they're when they're getting ready to sort of jump out of the military back into the real world uh, and, and this has to do with life insurance exactly Jim and, and when you <laughs> I love how you put that not not exactly a sexy topic. But if you look at your financial planning and your finances as a pyramid, going back to the old pyramid before the new one, as far as the food pyramid, that foundation, uh, life insurance would be right there on the foundation in terms of one of those things we've got to get covered to make sure we take care of uh, the ones we love for sure. So let me start with a real basic question because I know I have a lot of my Marine brothers out there, and and we got to keep this simple. Um, <laughs> I can say that. I can say that. I was, I was a jar. I can say that. Uh, why is life insurance, let's start real big picture. Why is life insurance so vital? What, why, what's the importance behind it? I mean, because ultimately I think we all want to take care of the ones we love. So our, our, our family, our kids, and you know, as well as I do that, that there's kind of a sense, especially with, with the military population that, that we're bulletproof and that nothing's going to happen to us. And that can re- really lead us down the wrong trail when it comes to life insurance, in other words, ignoring it. And ultimately, if something does happen, then 
exactly what we would not want to happen happens. That means our, our, our spouse is, is on the rocks in terms of finances. Our kids are in trouble. And I sent you over some statistics, but one of the, the shocking ones to me was that roughly a third, almost 35 percent of those that responded to this Linda survey would be in trouble financially within a month of the primary breadwinner or something happening to the primary breadwinner. So you're talking about not months or years, but having to cope with all the emotion around the loss and piling on top of that the inability to just meet the basic financial obligations of the family. So that's what we're trying to avoid. And, again, not a fun topic, not a sexy topic, not a top-of-mind topic, but an important one. That's that's really scary, though. That's frightening. That's a frightening statistic. And, and I also want to point out, that's for all U.S. households. That's not just military. That's for all households. And I, I would venture to say it's probably worse in, in the case of a lot of military folk. Well, now, on the, on, the, on the upside, when you look at the military families, they do have the, the service members group life insurance. So they do have that base amount of coverage of 400000 which probably puts them ahead a lot of their peers on the civilian side. But in a lot of cases, I've met, I've met families where that was not going to be enough based on the rest of the financial situation that they had going on. So you also, in this group of stats, um, you mentioned a, an insurance gap, right? What's, what's the insurance gap, and, and how, do you, how do you address that? Yeah, so it, it, it's an estimate that they did on the, the difference between how much insurance a family should have versus how much they do have. Uh-huh. In, in this particular case, that, the gap was like 200000 uh, so, so people were underinsured in the amount of two hundred thousand. Uh, you can trace that to a lot of different things, but but one of the things relative to the military population would be just what we were talking about before: is they feel like, okay, I've got this service members group life insurance, I've got my SGLI, I don't really need any other coverage, and that could be true, especially for our younger service members. But you start adding uh, adding kids, uh, you get married, have kids, buy a house. And all of a sudden, that, that 400000 isn't as much as it seemed like it was. And it's maybe time to look out to, to, to get some supplemental insurance. Uh, now, what's the, di- what's the difference between the different insurance? There, there, are, there are life insurance terms, right? There are, are terms is probably the wrong word. There, there is life insurance verbiage out there. What's the difference with all the, the plans available? Yeah, if you look at it, there are basically two different types of insurance. There's term insurance. And then there's permanent insurance. So when you when somebody says whole life, variable life, universal life, that's permanent coverage. And with that type of coverage, you typically have a, you have a premium. Part of it goes for the for the, the the life insurance benefit, the death benefit, if you will. But part of it also goes into some sort of savings or accumulation account. And so that type of insurance, we call it permanent, because really, if you get it, you should you're getting it with the intent of having it for the rest of your life typically pretty significantly more expensive than the other type of insurance, which is term insurance. And so service members group SGLI, that's that's group term insurance. If you buy a term policy on the civilian market, you can buy a 10-year term, a 20-year term, a 30-year term. And what that means is for that 10 years or 20 or 30 years, you're going to pay a level premium. So the premium is going to be the same for that whole period, as is the death benefit. And so when I look at it as a financial planner, most of the reasons we buy life insurance are going to go away. So the kids, and I'm knocking on wood now, the kids are going to be out of the house and be financially independent. The mortgage that you're paying on is going to go away. The retirement that you're building for, you're going to accumulate enough for retirement. So all those things, I think, are best addressed by the, the 
term insurance, which again is the pure insurance. You pay that premium, get the death benefit, and, and typically, again, it's surprisingly inexpensive. Well, okay, so now you've mentioned premium and you just mentioned cost. Um, one of the uh, one of the factoids here, one of the bullets is consumers typically overestimate the cost of coverage by nearly three times, up to five times for millennials. W- what goes into that, and why do you think they're so far off the mark? Yeah, that, that goes to just what we were talking about. When you when you look at it, I'll use a personal example here. So, so we just added, and I hate to date myself, but I will. We just added our second granddaughter into the family within the last month. And so, when we had our first grandson about two years ago, I told my daughter and son-in-law, "Hey, you guys need to get some life insurance." And of course, they ignored me. And this time, uh, about a week and a half ago, we were sitting around the, the kitchen table, and I, I brought it up again because, as a financial planner and a father, that's my that's my duty, right? <laughs> but uh, so so they, their kind of heads bowed when I said it because they hadn't done it before. But literally, while we were sitting there, they went on their phone and, and using the USA app, were able to do the application on the phone. It took about five minutes, and they're both plus or minus. Uh, my daughter's like twenty-eight. My son-in-law's. 32. For, for both of them to get a half a million dollars of coverage, the cost was about $60 a month. So that's a, essentially a million dollars of coverage for $60 a month. And so, so the, the whole survey, the point of the survey is that if you were to ask somebody how much would they have paid, that the estimate would be, you know, three to five times higher than that. And so that's, I think, the good news part of the story is, even though we're talking really big numbers in terms of the life insurance need, the cost to fill that is not very, is, can be relatively inexpensive. Well, and I, I do want to point out, uh, just as an aside for all the data nerds out there, the, the stuff we're talking about, this survey and all these bullet points and the, these, these items, this came from LIMRA, which is the Life Insurance and Market Research Association. So anybody out there interested, you can jump online and you can you can Google that and and find the uh, find the data that we're discussing. Um, so now we've been talking sort of life insurance in general. You mentioned SGLI for military members, and I, and thank you because I had completely forgotten about that. Uh, which leads to my question: What advice would you give to people who are transitioning from active service? out back to the real world yeah so so I was, so i have a son who's a he's a specialist in the army right now and and, and I've, I've told him a lot of things on the financial front and otherwise and the other day uh, he, he said to me dad you're right i'm like what was i right about because i was just pretty much in shock that he was telling me that i was right about something <laughs> but uh, he said i was right because i told him that it seemed like in the military i, I was always counting down so there was something that was going to be over, and I was going to move on to the next, you know, the next assignment. I was going to return from Korea. I was going to come back from Afghanistan. So I was always counting down, and he said uh, he, he recognized that I was right. I'm like, wow, that's great, son. Thanks for, thanks for taking that piece of wisdom. <laughs> but, but relative to transition, it, it becomes pretty important because a lot of times as we, as we get ready to get out of the military, we're, we're counting down. And it becomes a, a finish line when, in fact, it's a, it's a starting point. And I think one of the things that you have to plan for is the is the loss of that SGLI because it's going to go away 121 days. I'm sorry, 120 days after you're done serving. And so, in most situations, if not all situations, it's going to leave a gap in terms of our life insurance coverage. And so, it's it's something that we need to fill. And ideally. That there's, you've heard of the Veterans Group Life Insurance, VGLI. That's, that's an option to replace SGLI. 
And for somebody who's young, it's cost-effective. But uh, the upside of it is, is if you do it, if you do it as you're separating, you don't have to get go through any medical underwriting. The downside of it is, is that price keeps going up and up. So unlike SGLI, which has been under thirty bucks for as long as I can remember, the price of the Veterans Group Life Insurance will go up. So you're paying five or six hundred bucks a month when you're when you're you know fifty five or sixty. So you might want to look at other alternatives, and that should be part of your transition process. Does that make sense, Jim? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, and I'm assuming USAA can help <laughs> sort of uh, put together a roadmap for that? Yeah, yeah. We actually have, if, if, if for someone who's leaving the military, we've got a great array of tools. If you go to USAA.com forward slash leaving the military, we've got a separation checklist. We've got a kind of a, a duplication of your military pay in terms of what it's going to take to, to, to replicate that on the civilian side, including where you live and building in the, the various tax benefits of military service. And, and of course, within that checklist, one of the things on the checklist is going to be take a look at the, your life insurance, use a life insurance calculator, and figure out what are you going to need uh, once you do leave the military. Oh, and that's very helpful. If And people can do that from their phones, right? Yeah, they so if they, if they go on to their USA app, they can do that. Of course, they can do it online. The, uh, the 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 two, I guess I would call them URLs or vanity URLs that that would probably be of interest. One would be USA.com forward slash life, which is where the life insurance calculator is, and where they can get a quote on life insurance. The other one would be USA.com forward slash leaving the military, which has all the tools relative to separation. What do you think uh, is one of the biggest, I guess, misconceptions or misunderstandings by people in general when it comes to life insurance? Well, so I think we've, just, we've touched on two of them. One is, is the cost piece. The other one is the, the difficulty of the process. Now, I can remember when I first got into the duty and got into the financial planning business, and we had reams of paperwork that went with each life insurance application, and, and I'd have people coming back in the office to initial a spot on page 16 that they didn't get the first time, and it was an arduous process. Uh, today, as I was telling you with my daughter, it, that's not the way it is, at least at USAA, where somebody can go on there and, and do the application on their phone, and, and it takes five minutes. So price, process. And then the other thing is is it, a lot of things we can kind of set and forget when it comes to, when it comes to finances, when it comes to our life. And insurance is not one of them. And, and I think when you look at life and how it happens, there, there are so many changes in your life, and you've got to make sure that the insurance that you have keeps pace with those changes, whether they're married, getting married, having children, buying a house, leaving the military, getting a new job. All those things, in my mind as a financial planner, really necessitate the need to take a look at the coverage that you have, the coverage you might have lost, and make sure that uh, you're on track. And that's not normally – I mean – Whose first thought when they're going through a big life event is, "Hey, let's let's look at our life insurance." Probably pretty rare. <laughs> well, yeah, it's not. Yeah, and that's part of the issue, right? It's not one of the the things at the forefront um, when you're doing when you're getting on with life. Um, so, give me that website one more time. So it's uh, usaa.com forward slash life. Awesome. Well, hopefully. Uh, Hopefully, you know, people check it out at the very least. And um, you guys have competitive rates with everything else, right? Yeah, and our, and our life insurance is no different. It's, it's competitive, but 
but again, from from my perspective today, if we can get just people that to look at where they're at, whether they're using it, they can use our tools, but let's let's fill that gap so we don't have bad things happen out there and and, and make them worse by by not addressing this important issue. Absolutely, and uh, not sexy but important. I was just going to reiterate that it is not. It is not <laughs> sexy. This is not one of those things you sit around on a Saturday night and go, "Oh, let's talk about this at the bar." But uh, you know, as we've seen with so many people, you never know, and you always have to plan for the for the unpredictable. But um, uh, again, I you know, I've been a customer of USAA for many years, and uh, I've never I've every experience has been positive. So. I highly recommend them. So everybody listening out there, if you have a second, go check it out. Um, you know, walk through the menu, walk through the analytics, walk through the data, plug your information in, and, and see what they can do for you. Uh, it's a great company. So appreciate it, Jim. Thanks. Thanks a lot. Absolutely, uh, JJ Montanero, financial planner with USAA. Uh, if you got any uh, updates in the next couple of months, come on back, JJ. We'd love to have you. I right, appreciate it, Jim. I'm glad you spent the time with us, and I'm glad to try to get the word out. Yes, sir. Thank you so much. All right. Take care. Thanks. And that does it for this episode of the Veterans Report. I'm your host, Jim Cannon. You've been listening to the Veterans Report. Let others know about the show. You can find us online at theveteransreport.com. If you'd like to contact us, send an email to editor at theveteransreport.com. Join us again at the same time for up-to-date veterans news and information. The Veterans Report, Saturdays at 5 on 92.3, 94.1, 102.1, and 620 KHB. Thank you for your service and carry on. The Veterans Report has been sponsored by James Cannon.